everyone. Thank you for joining us for KB Talks powered by the NKBA, the only podcast dedicated to sharing the latest kitchen and bath industry insights, providing you with the education and connections to help grow and support your business. I'm your host, Jennifer Bertrand. The past couple of months have been an adjustment with a lot of businesses forced to start working from home. Many of us are finding the transition challenging. Today, we're turning to an expert in managing projects and teams remotely as we welcome Chip Wade, owner and lead designer at Wade Works Creative. Chip will tell us how his business has succeeded with a virtual design model and share tools and tips that will help you overcome challenges and thrive from home. Before we get started, here's a quick word from our sponsor, Home Advisor. Are you a home repair or improvement pro looking to grow your business? Home Advisor can help. Here's how it works. Home Advisor matches homeowners looking for help with their projects with the best local pros in the area who can do the job. That means your business gets connected to new customers quickly and easily. Get started now and Home Advisor will help you find your next job. And be sure to ask if you are eligible for a limited time $100 credit when you sign up. Go to homeadvisor.com slash NKBA offer. Again, that's homeadvisor.com slash NKBA offer. Okay, so let's jump right in. Introducing Chip Wade. Chip, thanks for joining us today. We're so happy to have you here on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. I always love talking to you, Jennifer. <laughs> I know the two of us can go on and on, but here's the thing: like being virtual has been a part of your business model for a little bit, but now that um, all of this has happened, what have been some of your biggest challenges as you navigate your projects forward? You know, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, for the past three or four years, I've been pretty much exclusively working virtual and all my processes are such that they lend themselves to me being able to do work as a designer uh, in, you know, the architectural space for anyone uh, all over the U.S. and even internationally and make my process normalized to where I don't have to change what I'm doing. The challenge becomes educating and making our clients super comfortable with the process. So I would say that that is really where we are, but people are open to it because now it's not so much of a, a, a option as a, if you're going to get work done, we might have to learn how to do this. So it's actually great in the realm of this is putting a little bit of pressure on everyone uh, to kind of expand their mind a little bit. And uh, this is where technology experience and innovation is going to grow rapidly uh, through this time of trial. So since you were already like experimenting and doing it, I wouldn't say experimenting because you've been successful at it, but do you find that your um, consumer or your business has changed since all of the pandemic has happened or has it stayed pretty consistent to how you were doing business before? You know, really, it's, it's, it's really stayed steady. I mean, this, I know it's been very challenging for a lot of people. Um, in this industry and in other industries. But if I'm completely frank, I mean, as a designer, I, I'm still getting inbound inquiries and I now have a solution to be able to service folks, uh, whether they're a mile down the road or 3,000 miles across the country with a setup that is very impactful. 
it's uh, it's user friendly and the results are uh, we get great reviews on them. And clearly, I feel really confident with what we're able to provide. Uh, there's just a few things that you have to set up uh, in order to uh, be able to gather the information that you need and then communicate effectively through the workflow. Okay, so since you mentioned that there's a few things to set up, like let's give these listeners authentic information about what they need to get going on this. What would you say if you're like, okay, I get it, it's overwhelming, but start with these basics. Okay, well, so there's not going to be a way around some type of digital share, uh, you know, scenario, meaning... You know, you could use a screen share. There's a lot of other more complex protocols. I use a combination of several different technologies, but even uh, like Zoom meeting, I'm on Zoom probably four hours a day. Uh, And a lot of these different technologies, the first thing, no matter what technology and whatever workflow you end up finding works best for you, it's all about establishing the expectation of what your client should uh look to experience when they're working with you. Um, It's not something to kind of throw in on them, you know, be like, oh, you know, we're not going to, I'm going to come meet with you personally. And then I'm just going to surprise. We're not going to talk anymore in person. I'm just going to, we're just, I'm just going to send you screen share, uh, you know, protocol. You have to really get ahead of it, talk about it, and then talk about the entire process, your timeline, and when meetings are, and go ahead and preemptively schedule those meetings and send out those invites at the very inception of the product, the project, even if they're weeks out, this really helps to establish the expectation that this is how you communicate and having confidence that this actually works. That's another really, really big, uh, big thing. Yeah, no, I have to admit, I love doing a Zoom meeting with clients and I actually landed a new client, which is funny because I've never met them in person. And yet we're having this whole adventure on their new construction house and it's working beautifully. So do you lay that out, that information in a contract or do you do it a phase after the contract and say, here's a one sheet of how it will work? So yeah, we all know that graphic design and interior design are not the same thing. In fact, graphic design for me is really hard. (laughs) So I do rely on uh, programs and apps to help me uh, look super professional without having to pay a lot. In fact, I use a program called, or an app on my iPhone called Canva. There's a free version of it, or you can get the, you know, the more spiced up version with lots of templates for a couple of dollars. Um, I use... um, uh, a lot of the Adobe Creative Cloud suite, that is actually an investment that I recommend everybody make. It really is a great platform. I think it is like 600 bucks a year or something. This is actually one of the most expensive programs that I run, but it gives me access to Photoshop, Lightroom, uh, Illustrator, all of those programs are like, oh my gosh, I don't even want to learn how to do this. Well, I actually don't use the computer version of them hardly at all. I use like the user for dummies version on your on your mobile device and the apps of those are all included and oh man I can make some pictures look great and I can design out some super awesome flyers but what I use is those programs to make that document that highlights my process okay so I have like uh, it's almost like an infographic that shows my timeline that shows how we work that shows the benefits and what to expect and I save that in a PDF on Dropbox um, which again, if you don't have like a cloud storage at this point, like take note, you need to you need to do that. So get Box or get Dropbox or get Microsoft Teams or whatever it is that you have uh, access to, 
and save that document there. And then after I do my initial correspondence, before I even do my initial consultation, I will send that PDF to them for reference so that they can sit with it and understand the process. And that's the first note. So I say it in voice to them on the phone. Uh, I will reiterate it with a follow-up email and this document that clearly highlights all of it. And as designers, we also know just because you say something once, twice, or three times doesn't mean they heard it, right? So uh, it's really nice to have a follow-up reference of your process and having files created ahead of time, again, so that you can use send them off quickly and repetitively without having to spend time editing. No, and I like that you mentioned Canva and apps and all of that because it can be very intimidating when someone's like, I'm a great designer, but I'm horribly at um, putting together that marketing package for myself and I can't hire it out. Even if those of you listening, create it on Microsoft Word if that's all you have, but make sure you save it as a PDF so when you send it, nothing evolves or changes with whatever they have to open it. That's right. And, then, and if you don't have if you don't have Adobe to save an Adobe PDF, you can download Cute PDF, like Cute, like C U T E, and you can do it for free. There's free things to create PDF. So there are solutions that are free for all of this stuff. So it kind of eliminates our excuses to do this. No, that's great. And honestly, you've been out during this pandemic talking about what you do and sharing with listeners and inspiring them. You're on the new digital business forum, Brave New Business. And you've been talking about your virtual design, and I know you have a, a team that you work with. But for those of us out there who maybe don't have a team put together, what would you say in terms of like working with their clients? Should they have Google Drive to where they have their shared images all on that and everyone's able to access it? Is it Basecamp? Are there any programs like that where you're like, this will simplify? You mentioned Dropbox earlier. So there are so many different hybrid like project management softwares out there. I've used Basecamp with my business and I've gotten frustrated with it and many, many others. What I have found is there's no perfect one out there. The best project management type software that you can use or not use is just the one that you use and you commit to. So don't be like everyone else and do like learn from me and don't say, oh, this isn't perfect. I'm going to just kind of bury this investment and try the next one because it's thinks I think it's going to be better. No, it's not. I'm telling you, I've tried 10 of them and they all have pros and cons that are different. Literally, if, if Excel is what you want to use, if you will use it, it will do the job. In fact, I mean, I do, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars annually in my uh, design business and I could easily do it with Excel. In fact, I have backups in Excel anyways, that if you know how to navigate it, it's all about what program can you use effectively and confidently? That's probably going to be your most efficient setup. And that kind of takes me into even like when I use um, 3D modeling softwares and things like that to design live time with folks remotely. Uh, I mean, I use the, you know, the AutoCAD, Revit. I, you know, we render sometimes in, uh, you know, uh, 3D Studio Max and Corona and all these complicated programs that you're like, oh man, I don't have time to learn that. I agree. You probably don't. But what you should do is find a program that's simple, that you can navigate and do space planning, conceptualization, live time and do it quickly. Program, I'm some, I choose uh, to use SketchUp 
because there's a free version of it and you can there's free um, viewers for our clients that I can they can download a web viewer and and scroll their 3D model around without on their iPad or their iPhone without having to download hardly anything, which is awesome. And I just have so much practice with it. I can design out a whole floor plan of a house three different ways with five options, label it, put dimensions on it and have it in front of them all in two, like two hours in a consult live on my computer screen. I mean, that is powerful, right? And I mean, I pay for the pro version, uh, which I totally honestly don't even really need. It just gives me some extra export options, but you can download SketchUp Make right now uh, for free and do exactly what I do. And it is amazing. But again, whether it's SketchUp, whether it's 2020, whether it's you know another program that you might already have, maybe it's Chief Architect, I'm not so, you know, hell bent on, you know, representing one um, program. The thing is, is I'm not fast in 2020 and I'm not fast in chief architect. And even if it does more and even if, uh, you know, uh, AutoCAD does more, it doesn't matter because for, for what I do in the initial uh, conceptualization phase and interaction with the client, SketchUp is absolutely the best tool. And then once we have the layout generally locked in, then I can move it into whatever program I want or continue to do it in SketchUp as well. And you can do full architectural permittable construction documents right out of SketchUp. Uh, it's really amazing. You obviously ooze skill and talent out of every pore, but some people may be listening to this and going, Chip, that all sounds great, but I can't do any of that. Would you... What are your thoughts on knowing your strengths and subcontracting out when you need to? Uh, I mean, you can't. I mean, what I would first say is you can do a lot more than you think. Even if you just like have never been a computer person, 3D modeling scares you to death. You don't pick up on things easily. SketchUp is like the, it is the 3D modeling for dummies. It really is. But non-dummies use it extensively. Uh, I would say you've got to give it a try. Because if you don't try it, then you're never going to know. And it, give yourself about a week. Give yourself, you know, or at least a weekend of devoting, you know, 10 hours to going through some like practice things. I'm telling you, you will blow yourself away. But again, if you do that and you decide that that's not the fastest way of doing it, there are absolutely scads of people out there that are little not, uh, you know, uh, experts at programs like SketchUp. I mean, get on Fiverr, you know, find somebody. Um, and then that you could bring them into your consultation and you could speak live and let them be modeling kind of what you're saying live on, on screen. You could totally do that as well. Well, and I belong to a bunch of design forums and often you'll see someone say, hey, is there anyone for hire for renderings and whatnot? And everyone is great to help each other. Okay, so Chip, now in the day of virtual design, a lot of people will be asking about how do you do on-site measuring and are you still doing site visits during the pandemic and what's going on? But even if it's after the pandemic and it's all about virtual design, how do you handle on-site issues and measuring and all of the beginning moments? Okay, so this is like one of the coolest things, and I actually just discovered something like two days ago that is going to be absolutely revolutionary that I'm so excited about. So what I do typically is I will send someone from my team to go measure, right? That's the cheapest way for me to do it just because we're so fast at it. 
And a lot of times we already maybe have like a set of plans or partial plans that we can use as a reference. And But most of the time, again, most of my business isn't even in the Southeast where I live. I'm in Atlanta. Uh, there are different companies all over the country that offer measuring services. And so I use a company for the Southeast um, called MeasurePro. And it's like $250, $300, somewhere in there. And they will go out, measure, create a full three-dimensional model, okay? Full DWG outputs. You can bring it right into AutoCAD or any pretty much any other, you know, DXF, two very common file formats for floor plans. Um, and they also will take reference images of every space. They will do a full window and door schedule with sill heights and everything else. They will take pictures of every single appliance and serial number and put it in a package that you can rebrand and give to your client. I mean, what a value. What a value. Right. I mean, I'm like, no offense. Like, I ain't, I'm not getting out of the house and driving an hour and spending half my day to do that. I'll pay the 200 bucks, you know. No doubt, especially because my process, my first uh, initial uh, interaction with anybody is with an initial consultation, and I charge a thousand dollars for it. I rebate that thousand dollars towards their, uh, you know, design proposal, which is actually the full list of services. But for three hours, I get a thousand dollars, and again, maybe that for you is two thousand dollars, maybe it's one hundred dollars, maybe it's four hundred. But I would make it enough to where it would cover something like a $250 as build, because regardless, it's really easy to sell that initial consultation and get your foot in the door when you can guarantee a deliverable, like a full PDF package of a floor plan and full takeoff and reference that you can then use as a tool in your consultation or in your plans moving forward. And you've never left your house. No, that's amazing. And obviously very needed in these times of virtual design. Now, you, I've heard all these amazing things. Now I want the raw and vulnerable Chip Wade. What are some of the biggest mistakes you've had or things you've learned the hard way in terms of virtual design? Uh, well, you can't completely mail it in. I'll tell you that. You, there is a little bit of work. You need to be prepared. Don't just like come to a screen share or something and like just be pulling up the files and like exploring together. Like that's not professional to do. I've done it and I regret it. So that's definitely the, some of the things you need to understand is when you get your package back or when you get your as-built package, have the files up, ready, accessible, and ready to pull in so that you can actually focus on communicating with your clients on a screen share or virtually. Like that, that's a must have. And I've made that mistake many times, just getting busy and just flowing from one to the other. Give yourself at least 15 or 20 minutes in between calls with different clients to have enough time to prepare for the next call and not be running over where you're like, oh, sorry, I'm almost done. You know, you can't get these people off. And then you come in late and then you're not prepared. So be responsible and give yourself an adequate buffer. Um, but I, I like to recommend to, you know, stack your client meetings in like a four hour window in the day so that you can post up in front of your computer and really focus and not like go, you know, getting something to eat and then coming back and then having, you know, to do something else and then checking your email and then coming back for another client meeting, like set it up, get it done, and then block out that time and move forward. You'll be much more focused and better productive and, and seem extremely more professional in the process. No, that makes total sense. And we've all done those last minute, try to pull it together. But I totally agree. I have my assistant, Patty, always on the Zoom call. And she's just quietly taking notes since I'm kind of presenting and she's able to make sure I miss nothing on it. 
Um, yeah, no, it helps big time. In terms of going virtual, have you started new clients virtual and never having met them? A hundred percent. I would say I don't meet ever three quarters of my clients. Oh, wow. Yeah. So for all you people that are like, oh, maybe I could do that occasionally. No, you can do that predominantly. So how do they find you? Uh, typically my website. Uh, I have a really cool thing on my website uh, and I use this plugin called Typeform. And basically, and if my website is wadeworkscreative.com uh, and if you go there and you hit architecture and design, you're going to meet, I don't have a whole bunch of different random stuff to confuse you. What I want you to do is fill out this form, but I don't want people to feel like they're filling out a form. It actually is like a conversation that I have with you. Um, it, but you fill in your information and it auto propagates uh, a full form that then emails me and then I will call you directly. But I call it my my uh, my uh, vision board. Um, so people kind of get the feeling that they're actually starting to divulge information about their style and they're able to see some of the work that we've done. But they fit, they fill it out and it's a really easy thing. I set it up one time and now it just it just if I can get people to go to the website, then they fill those things out and then clients just roll in. Well, I think that's one of the warm, fuzzy, nice parts about you is that you're really accessible and, and just friendly. But like for some people, should they relook at their website now that the concept of virtual is evolving? Should they have more testimonials that it worked over this? Or what would you suggest they should look at in terms of their website if they don't have a little conversation form like that? Is there something they should add to their, their websites? Yeah, you need to simplify and make it look higher quality. You don't need a whole bunch of stuff in there. You don't need a million pictures, especially if they're old and outdated. If you got pictures that aren't amazing quality, take them down. I'd rather have three amazing pictures than 50 mediocre ones. Because all you're doing is you're proving the fact that maybe the quality isn't what people want. Right? So you, you don't do not be stressed out and think, oh my gosh, I have to have this like exhaustive website with testimonials before and after photos, uh, you know, uh, beautiful aspirational mood boards. And all. No, 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 no. I don't have hardly any of that stuff on my website. It has a picture of me. Uh, it has a it has a handful of select projects just so people can be like, oh yeah, this is what they do. And it looks like they do pretty good work. Um, I really don't, on my architecture and design side, on my real estate side of our business, we do have testimonials. That's a different business. Um, but for architecture and design, the first thing I want them to do is to give me enough interest to be able to put down some type of information. And then I want to talk to them personally. That I am the sales tool. My website is a tool for me. Um, nobody is going to pay you money just from your website, but they will never call you because of your website. Um, so you need to basically have the dynamic that you look like a professional that does really high quality work and it's styled accordingly, but less is more unless it's more quality. No, I find that applies for many areas of life and aesthetically, but now let's talk about just cost and price and self-value in design. In terms of virtual versus in person, some people will naturally just lack the confidence to say, yes, you should pay me the same, even though I'm on a screen versus in your living room. What are your thoughts about that? Oh yeah. I'm completely normalized. I mean, on pricing, 
100%, for my own sake too. I mean, I'm not giving anybody any less value, really. Um, I just make sure that the value they're getting is very well communicated and that I have enough FaceTime with them, uh, even if it's virtually. So I talked before about sending you know, um, text videos all the time to my clients, getting that face-to-face. That's really the back scratch that they need to make sure that you, they feel like they're getting attended to and that there is a little bit of personalized response. But no, I would absolutely normalize the price regardless if you're in person or not. Because even as this all blows over, hopefully sometime, it is going to be in your best interest once you start selecting finishes to go on a screen share and go over mood boards remotely if you can. I guarantee it because you're not traveling and you're not necessarily getting sucked in that in that vortex of chitty chatty, you know, ramp up, ramp down you know, kind of almost compulsory conversation. Well, that's all good and all. We're professionals and I want to, and, and more business is more business. Uh, and I like to be able to get in, get out, and it helps them with their day. It's more comfortable. You can schedule it and you can do more clients in the same amount of time. Uh, and I have found that if you do this correctly uh, and professionally, there is not a compromise. No, that's perfect. But okay, I want to know more about these text videos you send to your clients. Like, are you like, hey, how's your Monday? What what are these that you send them? Okay, so anytime I communicate with my with my clients, it corresponds back to that document that I create with my timeline of what different benchmarks in the pro- project there's going to be, right? So there's going to be like a initial consultation, then there's going to be a proposal creation, and then there's going to be a kickoff meeting, and then there's going to be a first round you know, penciled uh, rough line architectural. And then there's going to be a first line architectural selection, like FF&E package. And then after that, we're going to have a, uh, both of those are meetings, right? That have a date on them. Uh, And then there's going to be a, you know, a second round review of both of those. And then there's going to be a final deliverable at the end. So those are kind of like the, the, the jumping points that I've provided my architectural process. What I do is every time I have a, at least, at least once every three or four days, my clients will hear from me, right? And what is happening in every correspondence is I reiterate where we've been. I reiterate exactly what the next step is. And then I reiterate where we're going. Every single correspondence. It helps them, it helps people that don't do this for a living and aren't focused on the design like we are all day, every day much more comfortable with the flow of their work. And with that type of correspondence, it also gives you the opportunity to always do it in email written format. This is just good business legal practice to make sure that their communication is documented. Uh, But say I send you an email that says, hey, just a reminder, you know, we have a call scheduled next Thursday for our first round architectural meeting. Just as a remind, this is what's going to happen at that meeting. You know, you guys, you're going to have the opportunity to review it. You're going to have a whole week to sit with it. And then you're going to come back. But when you come back, I want to make sure you guys spend time because in a week from then, we're going to move into final architecturals. And I want to make sure that you have all of that um, ready to go. Right. And so that's our nice way of saying, get your stuff together so that we're not waiting on you, you know, because (laughs) we're professionals and and you could say, oh, that's no problem. Take as much time as you need. No, I don't say that. That's why I start with a date the second they sign the contract that three and a half weeks from now is this first round review. And then a week after that is, th- is when I am moving forward to uh, uh, final, final stuff. So put it on your calendar. 
right? There's a there's a whole dynamic of it. It's not pushy. It's professional, right? And so how the text work is you smatter those in like, you know, like salt on a steak, right? You, it's not the whole thing, but you send an email. Maybe this is another one of those great things to have as a PDF document of, hey, this is what first round review looks like. You know, have that delineated, send it to them in an email, but then text them and be like, hey, just a reminder, I sent you an email if you have any questions on what next round is. But remember, you know, if you have any additional comments, we're going to be moving forward in a week from now. If you have any questions, just let me know. Thanks, Sharon. We'll talk to you soon. Right. So it gives you a purpose for reaching out to them. But again, it accompanies a physical like written email always. No, I think that's great because honestly, one of the nicest bits of advice I had heard once was making sure you reach out before the client reaches out to you, whether it's you start your week with emails sent out Sunday night or Monday morning, but there's no question as to what's happening next, which is what you're doing with that. Um, and is there anything you want to say in terms of virtual rea uh, design and how it affects your mindset as a designer and your like, happiness or in terms of just getting more done? You know, I mean, really, I mean, it's productivity driven. There's no doubt about it. I mean, some folks that I talk to, they're like, I just love to spend time with people and sit on the couch. Talk. And that's great. You know, like, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not, there's not a humanistic value to that. But what, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, I design because I love to be creative, but I also design because I'm trying to make a living for my family. And the living from my family requires that I do a certain amount of business and bring a certain amount of income for me to be able to actually go spend time with the people I want to spend time with. And sometimes those are my clients. Great. And sometimes not. But when I'm doing my business, I keep it business. And I think that, that it really does help to separate the dynamic and the interpersonal relationship that you have with your clients, keeping it super professional and not trying to just be you know, the, the, the shoulder to cry on and the, and the, um, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with that, but, you know, business professionalism first will be respected in a different way and will end up keeping more discretionary time for you to be able to use that outside of the business meetings with those clients to do more personal things. Um, which again, I think it's easier for some than others, uh, to do that for certain. And I want to be respectful of that. But I've just found great success in keeping it professional, your productivity, amount of clients you can serve, uh, and the pace. The more work you're doing, the more work you're going to get. Um, and so it definitely is a path of exceeding returns doing, doing it this way. No, that's all fabulous advice. So now that people want to cheer you on and follow your adventures, where can they find you? Uh, all my social handles, well, Instagram. Uh, is just at Chip Wade, super simple. Um, my personal page is Chip Wade on Facebook, but you can hit Chip Wade Designs uh, on uh, Facebook, and that's my uh, that's where I put most everything. Um, but of course, my website has a lot of different things on there, but definitely reach out, ask questions. Um, I did want to just kind of circle back on one thing that I didn't cover that was um, uh, that I thought was really revolutionary is I use a lot of these softwares uh, like Matterport um, that, you know, use these 360 scanning technology cameras are mostly used in real estate where you can get full floor plan integration off of those. You can buy a camera like that and buy a small subscription. Um, or if you don't want to do that, which I'm not necessarily recommending you do that, uh, you can hire somebody for, you know, 
several hundred dollars to similarly to go in, scan the whole entire house and then output floor plans as well. And th that's available nationally. Say that name again and spell it out for people. Yes, Matterport, M-A-T-T-E-R-P-O-R-T. But that's not even the, in, the, the most innovative part. Now with your iPhone, there is a plugin that you can actually, so I'm experimenting with this right now. So I can't say the whole workflow is proven because this came out two days ago. But now there is a plugin. You can download Matterport Capture on out of the app store and you could actually stitch together the same thing from your iPhone. Now, why this is cool is we can get our clients to now start scanning their own space and upload it to us. And we have a fully parametric dimension model that the client does for us. This is amazing. Now I just need you to have a YouTube channel to tell us how that works or fails miserably with clients. Uh, maybe maybe we can do a follow-up like how-to of that workflow at some point. Uh, once I actually figure out best practices there, it won't be long because I'm all in on this because, I mean, whether it's design, this is going to transform like flooring takeoffs, all kinds of things where uh, even rendering uh, for your space to be able to bring it into a computerized model and do higher level renderings because you have a real dimension parametric model, not just pictures. That's a huge difference. So anyways, I know this is getting next level, but oh man, it's an exciting future. And again, this is the time where innovation drives productivity in these times of challenge. Um, it's going to in technology, but it also will in your personal business. So don't be disheartened by the challenges that we're going through. Use this as an opportunity to leverage other folks' innovation to be able to catapult you into a different place with your business. And wouldn't you say, Chip, for people to not be scared to try something new, like why not? Because, I mean, the best of us fail every day doing this. I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to not fail. But I mean, the only reason that I feel I can, you know, have five different client meetings a day, that didn't start, you know, yesterday. I had to work my way into it, but oh man, is it worth it now? I mean, my productivity is through the roof and I can do it from anywhere. I just built a lake house. Now I can set up on my dock with the, with the breeze in my face, eating hot dogs with my kids and have five client meetings a day. <laughs> now you just need to have the client meeting while eating a hot dog. Hey, you know what? People are pretty forgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Chip, you're amazing. You're always an innovator. I met you when you were starting the virtual show house concepts. You are always trying new things and pushing the boundaries of our industry. So thank you for what you do. Of course. And thanks everyone who's listening for, you know, uh, working hard and, you know, bringing creativity to the forefront for folks everywhere. Uh, we're definitely making everything uh, a more beautiful place to be in. No, that's fabulous. And all of you, thank you for listening. We'll have new episodes of KB Talks coming your way soon. So make sure you are subscribed and stay tuned. Please be sure to send your feedback to nkba at flyingcamel.com. And remember to take a moment to leave us a star rating or a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Stay tuned for a quick NKBA Minute. Thanks, Chip. Thank you. The NKBA Specialty Badge Program offers members a new competitive edge. Certification has long been a cornerstone of the National Kitchen and Bath Association's mission, although the designations 
are mostly limited to designers. The Specialty Badge program now allows any NKBA member to broaden their knowledge and earn credentials in a variety of areas through online course materials and passing an online exam. Visit nkba.org badges to discover the NKBA Specialty Badges currently available. Take advantage of the NKBA's ongoing professional development opportunities and get the NKBA competitive edge.